Welcome to the Avenue Community Church's podcast. We are a family of Christ followers seeking shalom in Memphis. We pray that you are encouraged by today's message. And as you listen, may the word of God shape you to be more like him. So again, this is week one uh, of Back to the Basics, Theology Simplified. And we'll be talking about theology and God this evening. Uh, objectives for the evening will define theology what is theology? We'll walk through uh, the importance of theology, different types of theology. That's going to be really fun. Uh, who is God the Father? And then if we get time to it tonight, we'll walk through what is atheism, agnosticism, and why people go this route when it comes to faith. About me. For those, for the few that may not know me, that is my wife and my two children. I'm a native Memphian, uh, married to my awesome wife, Ashley, and I'm father, the father to George IV, we call him G4, and my baby, Aria. I serve as a deacon here at the AF. Uh, I'm a graduate of New Orleans Baptist Theological uh, with an MDiv I received last year, and Cara's known me for a long time and should tell you I love me some Jesus. I, I'm team Jesus all day. That is, that is me. Want to open up? <laughs> Ross and Rachel, right? <laughs> if <laughs> this is the <laughs> that's it, the famous Ross and Rachel, right? They are probably the, the top number one couple of will they, won't they in TV history. And that is them in love and all the things, right? That, that is them. And that's like most relationships, right? You, you meet that person, you know, the, like the infatuation, the butterflies, like, you know, you're feeling them and you get all lovey-dovey, smooching, all that, right? All that stuff. But sometimes in a relationship, things will happen. The arguments ensue, right? The conflicts ensue. And you begin to, and the deeper you get into this relationship with somebody, you begin to form ideas about them, right? And if you're not careful without knowing, instead of knowing your partner on an intimate level to connect with them, right? How you view them can lead to disconnection, to where what they do, what they say, is easily misconstrued by how you see them. And sometimes it leads to breakups or worse, right? I would say theology and God is sometimes like that. Our theology is important because it's a reflection of how we view God. It is a relationship, right? And like any relationship, it's ebbs and flows, right? And the way you view the person you're in relationship with will determine how you interact and or respond to them, right? So to kind of quote PT from his sermon this Sunday, uh, our theology matters. And as we kick it off, I want to use the verse he also used on Sunday for us. 1 Timothy 4.16, 
Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Paul's charge to the young, anointed pastor, Timothy. All right? I like what's called table talks for people to engage with each other during the session. So table talk number one, you have about five of these this evening. Think about a situation or season of your life when, you, when your view of God impacted how you related to him. How did this trickle down to the other areas in your life, whether it was how you saw yourself, other people, the church, etc. So as we think about theology and, and what we just shared, how our view of God reflects and shows up in other areas of our life, what is theology? The more flavored or academic version is the word theos, which means God and logos, meaning the study of. So to put it together, it is the study of God, his character, his nature, his attributes. And so taking this a step further, as I talk about other forms of theology, think about it in that definition, but also what different groups, different genders, etc., say about God. So for example, if I were to say womanist theology, and I'll get to that later on, it could be how do black women interpret God in relation to their culture, their experience, and what the scriptures say to that, right? So it is our definition for tonight, theology is pretty much the study of God, but also um, how do we study God, his attributes, his character in relation to us and how he connects with us, right? And so, um, and failure to navigate the proper view of God and who he is, failing to navigate and tap into this the right way can not only result in fruitlessness of our, of our life, but even calamity or maybe even judgment if we're not careful. So theology definitely matters. Table talk number two. Consider your own theology at this point. Who or what has influenced your view of God the most? Has it been the Bible? Has it been the church, the institution of the church? Has it been culture? Has it been family, whether they were healthy family or not, abusive or not? your wounds, et cetera, right? Again, this is a safe space. If you don't wanna share, you don't have to, but I wanna put these out there because these things ultimately do influence our theology. So who or what has influenced your view of God? Take about two or three minutes and share with your table. Yeah, so here's an example. Like, as you guys are talking, I'm thinking about my own story. And so growing up in the black church, you got Suda and Buddha every Sunday. Had the suits, had the shoes, had the tie, had the iron, it had to be Chris going to church, right? And if you didn't come in dressed like that, you were, you were sometimes, you know, looked and frowned upon, right? And seated in the back. And seated in the back <laughs> away. But, but as I did history of why that happened, 
as a person of color, it made sense. And so I had to differentiate the intent versus what happened. And so the intent, and so the intent was this, because black Americans in the country were degraded for so long, when we went to church, we knew that we were going before the God that accepted us, the God that thought we were worthy, the God that, the God that, that, that gave us humanity and dignity, right? And so going before him, we always wanted to dress our, our best because this is our day to go before the king that cares for us, right? And so that was the culture of this is why we dress up every Sunday the way we do every Sunday. It was like Easter Sunday, right? You dressed up because you wanted to look good before God. Like that's a cultural thing. And guess what? That's not inherently wrong. Like that is a way of showing reverence to, to this holy God that has given us life and value. This is how we want to show our love and esteem to him. The downside is, is when you take that intent to now where everyone that doesn't look like you, what about the person that's coming off the street? Right. What about that family that may not have the money to pay for a suit or for that nice dress or for that nice hat? Right. What happens to that family or to that person to now when they step into your church? The intent now goes from we want to present our best before God to man. Why are you in here? You looking like that? And so how our view of God has now been tainted by this cultural norm to now it's no longer inclusive and welcoming. So these are the little subtle ways that influence our theology, how we come to God, how we see God, right? And so we should always, we should always do checkpoints with our life and inventory of what is influencing my view of God in this season? Is it the scriptures? Is it the culture? Is it my history? Is it social media? Like, what is it? And um, I think when we do that, we are following Paul's example of watching our life, our doctrine. That's why if I might expound on what I was Come on. saying earlier. Is that that's why All right, now, different types of theology. This is going to be fun right here. The first one is systematic theology, defined by Wayne Grudem as this, collecting and understanding all the relevant passages in the Bible on various topics and then summarizing their teachings, their teachings clearly, uh, taken from his book, page 21. So pretty much this is what he's saying. Systematic theology is when I take a topic in the Bible like angels and I will take every single passage from Genesis to Revelation on angels and I'm packaging it to where I'm going to give this robust understanding of angels as I look at there's as I look at their place from Genesis all the way to Revelation. The same thing with heaven. I'm taking what the Bible says about heaven from the beginning to the end, and I'm packaging this to where I can explain it as I pick from all these different verses in the Bible about heaven. Historical theology is something totally different. Another form. Uh, by Greg Allison, it is the study of the interpretation of scripture and the formulation of doctrine by the church of the past. This is tradition. So, for example, taking angels in heaven again, instead of looking at the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, I'm looking at church history. What did Athanasius say? What did Thomas Aquinas say? What did Martin Luther King say? What did 
uh, St. Augustine say? What did Martin Luther say, right? So I'm taking church history as my canvas on how I explain angels, but also what heaven is. What did the church fathers say? And so as we get into theology, there are different kinds. And guess what? Sometimes if we don't know it, some of these theologies we connect with more. Here's another one, biblical theology. This is probably where I fall when it comes to theology. And Tony Evans describes it like this. It is what the Bible has to say about a particular subject as it's outlined in that particular book of scripture. So for example, if I wanted to understand government, how the Christian relates to government, how as a believer in Jesus Christ, God wants me to navigate politics. There's a couple different books I can pull from in the, in the New Testament. Let's say I pull from Romans 13, where it says that as a Christian, I am to honor and obey the government, right? Because it is the one that restrains the evil, right? And so those that don't honor the government, they will be punished as what's outlined by law, right? So I'm looking at the government from Paul's standpoint in relation to how the church is supposed to be a witness in the world. Because after those verses, Paul talks about our character, our virtues, right? How we are to live in society among each other and mix that is with the government, right? That is what Paul is saying when it comes to that. Now, let's say I do Revelation. Revelation says that as a believer in Jesus Christ, I am to resist Babylon, right? The great adulteress, right? The one that is actually here to terrorize and oppress the saints. Let's say I have a revelation theology toward government. And so now instead of obeying government, now I'm called to resist it at every turn. These are two totally different ideas of government. And we actually see this play out in the church depending on who's in office. If it's who we like, I'm Romans 13. If it's who I don't like, I'm Revelation, right? So which one is it? This is why I love the Holy Spirit and community and diversity because it makes us walk out these issues and these topics because there are times where I will have to be Romans 13, right? There are other times where I will have to go Revelation and resist Babylon. And so biblical theology looks at particular topics in scripture, not from the totality of God's big picture, but what was God saying to this people at this time in this situation in this story pertaining to this topic? That is biblical theology. So I'm done spitting for right now. <laughs> Table talk number three. Which of these particular theologies do you find yourself gravitating to the most? And if so, why? Take a few more minutes, maybe three to five this time. Yeah, so um, let me go back. Biblical theology, historical and systematic. Take about, like I said, three to five minutes, y'all go. And I'll say this too, Josh mentioned this, 
as I do apologetics, I have found myself leaning more towards historical theology when I do it. And here's why, because in the black community for a lot of us and how we view Christianity, like sometimes I have to go back to find ancient voices of people that look like me, right? To show that, hey, like when we say Trinity, like, you know, we just not talking about three gods. Like this thing goes back almost 2000 years. And the, and the brother that created, that gave us the word Trinity for the first time was an African brother, right? And so I have to actually find myself diving into historical theology sometimes to answer certain questions. So all that to say, those three are like the main ones that we can think about. And I think throwing reformed in there too, because how the reformers view God, like that's one of reformed theology. But those three, systematic, historical, and biblical, are the three main like macro theologies that you'll see as we talk about it. Now, here are a few more that deserve our attention just based on where we are in society. Pauline theology is what they call it. Refers to the ideas and beliefs of Paul regarding God, salvation, church, and culture. And to be honest, some people have an issue with Pauline theology. And, and we see that a lot of times on, uh, particularly in certain academic spaces, right? Sometimes you'll, you'll see things on social media, like you may hear things from the pulpit. A lot of people have issues with Paul and his theology saying that Paul was doing something separate from Jesus, right? And so you'll see, and so all that to say in some spaces, Paul is very controversial. Now we know that, you wanna say something, Pastor? <laughs> <laughs> Come on. For, for novices, Steve George and Josh and whoever after, mm -hmm. but not necessarily they feel like Paul's controversial, but the way that his views are interpreted. His views are interpreted, yes. There's a book called Paul Behaving Badly, right? It's called Paul Behaving Badly. It's one of my favorite books on Paul because in the book, the writer talks about uh, how to how, how Paul feel about women? How did Paul feel about slavery? Was Paul judgmental? Was Paul homophobic? So he walks through all these different ideas that people have about Paul and his theology, right? And so, and so the book explains Paul's viewpoint and how Paul really was in step with the gospel, right? And so, it is, so it's a great explanation of how all Paul's views are in step with Jesus, but in some spaces, man, people really have an issue with Paul. And so I'm saying that because in certain conversations out there with people, you mentioned scripture and Paul, you may have someone to challenge you. So all that to say, that's important to know that Paul to others did have his own theology, but we know of course that Paul was in step with scripture and Peter even says in 2 Peter that Paul is writing things that some people may not understand, paraphrasing, it's heavy, that people will, will twist to their own benefits, but what he's telling you is gospel, and Peter himself says that in 2 Peter, right? So he affirms Paul's writings uh, as the truth. Black theology. Black liberation theology. That is the, the famous James Cone. 
And he pioneered this framework that speaks to that, to the idea of God being on the side of the oppressed, right? And so in the context of America, due to systemic oppression of blacks, God is therefore on our side. His landmark book is called The Cross and the Lynching Tree. And in the book, Cone outlines how when you look at Jesus, he was crucified as a criminal of the state. And when you look at crucifixion, it was a sign of terror. It was, a, it, 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 was, it, it was done to make people fearful. It was done to make people fall in line. It was done to do all these things. It was, it was a sign to people like fall in line or you will be hung on this tree, right? And so Jesus himself was, was crucified like that as a criminal, as a sign to the state to fall in line. Cone matches this with the lynchings of his day. How post-Civil War, Reconstruction, terror in the South, right? Black Americans were lynched. In fact, Memphis is known because of Ida B. Wells. She was a journalist that exposed the horror of lynching, right? And so what Cone is saying is that the same way Jesus was crucified was an innocent man of color, crucified before the state, seen as a criminal, as a sign to keep people in line, black people are treated the exact same way. And so from that, black liberation theology is created. That is what Cone is, is known for. Other theologies that you'll see in culture, there's feminist theology and there's womanist theology. So feminist theology seeks to re-examine what the roles of women are in Christianity and society as it attempts to separate itself from a male-dominated framework. So how, how does God view women outside of a man telling us how God views women? Does that exist? It does exist. I'm just kidding. <laughs> she called me. She called me. She called me, right? Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So this is this. <laughs> and the other one that that speaks to women is called women's theology. I mentioned that earlier, but women's theology is like, OK, for the black woman. Right. Whereas feminist theology to many to many womenists excludes the experience of black women because black women feel like. We, are, we, we experience three kinds of, of oppression, races, classes, and sexes, right? So what theology speaks to us? That's how you get womenist theology. It is the design for the black woman's experience and how God speaks to us in our unique experience. There's one I don't have on here, but I can mention it. And it's one that has that, that has come about in recent years over the past, I want to say two decades. It's called queer theology. This one here simply speaks to how does God relate to the gay, the lesbian, transgender, right? And so when we see so when we see denominations um, affirm um, same-sex marriage, etc. A lot of them have adopted this theology, queer theology, right? And so these are some of the major ones, again, that you will see 
in our culture, you'll see Pauline theology, you'll see black liberation theology, you'll see womenist, feminist, and even queer theology, right? So these are some of the newer ones that are coming on the scene to say, how does God speak to people like me? And so my question is, why do people feel the need to even have a theology like that? What hole have they seen in the church to make them want to adopt such a theology? And that's what's been happening, particularly in the American church, because the ball has been dropped some way as it as it pertains to loving people, caring for them. Right. Despite their skin color, their their gender and for those that have SSA, same sex attraction, etc. How has the church historically connected with them? How have we dropped the ball with that? What has happened is it has opened the door to all these different theologies. And so long story short, the Church of America is in a mess now <laughs> because these have come into play because they're because what they're doing is they want to say we haven't had a voice. We need a voice. So we need a theology that gives me a voice because the church has dropped the ball in certain seasons. Come on, Mandy. <laughs> I hope I have an answer. <laughs> I probably said too much already. <laughs> um, when I mentioned systematic, historical, and biblical, I mentioned these theologies because these are the three that speak to traditional Christianity, what we believe, right? Through our denomination, through our church, right? These are what we ascribe to, right? This is where a lot of us will land as, as, as Bible-believing, faithful Christians, right? That's where we land, whether it be systematic, historical, biblical, this is where a lot of us will land, right? For those in this, for the other three, Pauline theology, black liberation theology, feminist and womanist, and even queer theology, I mentioned those because these have become newer theologies that we have seen pop up. And so what these theologies are attempting to do is to fill a void where certain groups feel like, as I mentioned, the church has not spoken into them. They feel like they haven't been represented when it comes to the scriptures, right? And so these are theo cultural theological attempts to fill a void, right? Whereas realistically, just going back And not to harp on the church because I'm not doing that. But if let's say in a perfect world, these were done. You might not see as much as that. Now, we still have a sinful nature, right? We still have a sinful nature that desires at every moment for any reason to jump God's ship. Right. You have to factor that into account as well. Right. Because we have a sinful nature. But I like what Paul says in Romans. 
And when, and when I read this, it made me reflect on my journey as a Christian. Paul says that uh, he's talking to Israel. He says that because of your disobedience and because of what you've done, my name is blasphemed among unbelievers. What he was saying was, and like you think he calls the prophet Isaiah, he's saying that because my people did not represent me the right way, my name was tainted among those that did not believe. And so when Paul is indicting Israel in Romans 2, he's saying like, man, God's people, not completely, never completely. But when unbelievers and culture don't see us for what we are supposed to really be, some of that does fall on us. Right. And so like the enemy, like like the devil himself. Right. We have an enemy, a spiritual enemy. When balls are dropped among the people of God, he is waiting to pick them up. And these are examples of him picking them up. <laughs> yeah, you can. You can. And I was hesitant to say that because you can do it from a faithful lens. Right. So, for example, let's let's look at James Cone for for example. If he's saying how God is on the side of the oppressed, and if he's saying that as a black American, God is on my side because of injustice, where that is true and maybe not true is this. We do serve a God of justice. And God will one day judge the evildoer. In fact, sometimes in this life, we will see God judge the evildoer, right? That is biblical, right? God loves the oppressed at the same time, right? At the same time, as outlined in scripture, we are a church. We are a people. We have a belief, and that belief is in Jesus Christ, right? And so ultimately, God is on his side, right? And what God's side is, those that bear my name, right? Those are the ones that ultimately in the end, I will vindicate. Where black theology falls short, where it falls short is, God is just not the God of black people. He's the God of all, right? And so to say God is on the side of black people and black people alone, that's where the error comes in at. That is where the error comes in, right? And even when it comes to the others like feminists and women's theology, right? God loves women. God affirms the value of women and even black women, right? We see in scripture, God always coming to the woman, right? If you look at Hannah, if you look at Mary, if you look at Elizabeth, if you look at even, um, even a Hagar, right? God comes to women. He loves women. Jesus came to, to, to the woman at the well. God comes to women. But even as we look at all these theologies, we cannot look at them absent from the truth of scripture to isolate who I am and who or worse who I think I am and force the Bible to say something about me that it does not say that's the issue and with a lot of these theologies I mentioned 
I mentioned, that's what you start finding. It's no longer about what, what the scriptures actually say on the entire topic, but how can I fit scripture to say something about me that may not be in there. And a lot of times it's not in there. Our amazing reverend over there was, was like, we all bring presuppositions to the text, right? And so because of who I am and how I'm wired, that can easily happen, right? So the separation is simply this. The separation is when I'm reading the biblical text, am I looking for myself or am I looking to know God? Because ultimately, no matter who you are, if I pursue God, I learn more of who I am and how I'm wired and what God wants from me. Identity theologies, as I would say, identity theologies fall short because as we have all been talking about, it puts the focus on me and what I may desire to be and not God. When I think about these theologies as Cody's talking, two words come to mind and I want to move on to who God is. <laughs> I, didn't, I figured we, we, that we'd probably sit here for a minute, but it is what it is. Let's talk about it. So two words that come to mind, power, right? How, 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 how does the power dynamics in, in scripture, no, in culture and the institution of the church, how is power now switched? How do we move from one group having power or one gender having power to another now having some power, right? That's why I think about when I see these theologies. Also think about this too, liberation. It's all about how do we liberate people or groups that have historically been oppressed or marginalized, right? That is the attempts of these theologies to liberate. Esau Macaulay said this in his book, Reading While Black. Esau Macaulay is phenomenal. I recommend you read his stuff. He is amazing. He says this, the problem with progressive theologies like these is the fact that you liberate people for liberation's sake. In the scriptures, God freed his people to something. In Exodus, I'm freeing my people so they can worship me. God just doesn't free me just to free me and I can do what I want to do and, and self-proclaim what I want to be. But man, God frees me so I can worship him for who he is. And so many times in these theologies right here that, I've, that, that like I'm sharing is the fact that, yeah, we can liberate women. Yeah, we can liberate African-Americans and people of color. Yes, we can liberate um, those in the gay community, right? But what, but what are we freeing them to? Because if I free you and Christ doesn't have your heart, it does me nothing. It does you nothing. You're still bound by your sin. You're still in judgment and you still are separated from God. So ultimately it doesn't free because when people get free in scripture, there's a freedom that takes them to Jesus and not in an idolatrous identity for, of themselves. So power and liberation is what you see in these theologies. And again, 
God frees us to something. So many times in these progressive theologies, it's free just to free everybody. No, if I'm freeing you, I'm going to take you to the real Jesus. The one that saves souls, the one that redeems sinners, the one that gives life eternal, the one that gives the God life right now. The full life right now. As he guarantees something better to come. Ooh. We already talked, we already did some of this, so we're going to move on. We are going to move on. We are going to move on. Um, so, man, who is God? And I, I think three verses got erased by accident. Uh-oh. Uh, so who is God? <laughs> selective, <laughs> selective theology. PowerPoint theology, that's it. PowerPoint theology. PowerPoint theology. Um, so who is God? As we look at our own lives as we engage others around us. Who is God? One, God is a spirit. John 24, uh, Jesus says, for God is spirit and the true worshipers shall worship him in spirit and in truth, right? God is a trinity, right? He says in Genesis 1:26, let us make man in our own image. He wasn't talking about angels. He was talking about this this perfect Trinitarian relationship in himself. Let us make man in our, in our own image. Matthew 3:16, where at Jesus' baptism, we see the Son being baptized, the Spirit descending like a dove, and the Father speaking. All in one act. A Trinity. Uh, man, God is love. God is holy. God is our heavenly Father. God is also all-knowing. God is all-powerful. God is ever-present. God is... Sorry. Come on. The previous one? Mm -hmm. Those are the things that make God different than everything else. Mm -hmm. Nothing else is God. Mm -hmm. Speak to us, scholar in residence. <laughs> What'd she say? Incommutable attributes. Those are fun. Now that's good. That's good. God is unchanging. He is independent. Uh, when he tells Moses, I am, he is saying like, hey, G, I am who I am. I need nobody. I need nothing. I am self-sufficient. Nothing, nothing in this universe am I dependent on. Everything's dependent on me. And God is sovereign. God is sovereign. Um, I love the book of Job. I read it for the first time cover to cover, I want to say last year. My favorite books uh, probably in, in the Old Testament. Because I actually got to see all of Job and what he went through. And Job 42.2 is one of my favorite verses. Job, after God has checked him and God's like, bro, who are you to question me? Man, who are you to be like, 
Why is this happening? I am God. And Job says, I know you can do all things. And no plan of yours can be stopped. That, I believe, is what freed Job. And sometimes in our suffering, that's all we can sometimes say and believe, man, is that at the end of the day, no matter what's happened to me, to my family, to my people, you can do all things and no plan of yours can be stopped. I know I didn't do it justice. I know I just skimmed through these because we got about 10 minutes left. I wanna, but let me just sit in some of these. Let me just sit. Which, what part of who God is stands out to you? On your worst day, when it seems like I don't wanna get out the bed, man, what about God is just like life is worth the living. A few quick announcements before we close out. Thanks, Douglas. Appreciate you, brother. Uh, next week, Lord willing, we'll dive into Jesus. Shout out to Joanna uh, for leading that one. In fact, she'll be leading our next two sessions. Oh. Well, there we go. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Y'all are funny. Y'all are funny. Woo, y'all funny. Next announcement is Going out soon is a survey that we're going to give out to our entire church, and we hope everyone can do it. The survey does two things. One, as an institute team, it kind of helps us see where our church body is when it comes to God's word, spiritual life, and, and stuff they may want to hear about in the institute. So it kind of gives us a gauge of where our body is, but also what topics we can give at the institute that nourishes our people by where they're at right so we want to be able to bring lessons and sessions that fully speak to where our people are because some of us are in different places some of us are more mature than others and may have more biblical knowledge than others that is okay that really is okay and we want to be able to meet everyone where they are so be on the lookout for that survey it is coming and hot soon. It's out. It's out. Take it. Take the survey. We want to see y'all's thoughts.